Hey everybody, uh, this podcast is um, got me really fired up. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Uh, we sit down with Annette O'Neill and Joel Strickland, who are raising money and uh, awareness for Operation Enduring Warrior through their fundraiser and uh, adventure called Down for 50. So uh, please like and share and consider contributing if you uh, enjoy this podcast. Three. Two, one, see ya. You're listening to Baseline Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Brian. This podcast is brought to you by Valley Base Beer, a refreshing drink for your post jump festivities. Everybody who buys a bottle of Valley Base beer is donating to the rescue crews at the end of the season. We'll take part of the proceeds from all the beers and uh, provide a little bit of money to the. Is that a real no, thing? I, I think it's yep. beer. Really? I think we're, they're getting no, paid. No, money. it's money. <clears throat> money. Uh, so if you're wondering whether or not you should have that last beer, you know, at the end of the night when, like,. You're the helping hor- somebody else. Yeah, when the Horner's like, ah, last call, and you're like, ah, I don't know if I should have one more beer. They have one you're, more beer. You're doing, Stop. You're doing something good for somebody else. So how's it going, Ben? It's going good, man. Um, like I told you guys earlier, clean bill of health. Yeah. Recently returned from a um, a program where I got to have my blood pulled, my brain scanned, and my back scanned, and you name it, they did it. And uh, the staff was absolutely incredible. It totally reinvigorated my appreciation. Yeah, you know, I... <clears throat> Over the last fifteen plus years, it's the uh, faith in my greater organization for work has uh, slowly and quickly at times diminished in my faith for them to be able to take care of people and care about people, and uh, it was a it was very eye opening and, and humbling to be around people who just uh, I mean some of the people there were just doing unpaid internships, which was you know, and working their ass off, which was really cool. So yeah, last month's been pretty unique. Yeah. <laughs> we missed you. That's for sure. Yeah. Likewise <laughs> left with no, no warning. <laughs> yeah. But at least like I could text you every now and then, like when Brian left, like it was calms black mm-hmm. for three weeks straight. That was weird. Like not being Randy, able to like, Randy was you. bumming people out at the, Vegas party, like no, they it's asked, like Brian's dead. No, I was like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like training wheels for losing your best friend, you know? Because I couldn't, I couldn't oh, message him. Jesus. Meanwhile, somebody's over there like trying to party, and they're like, um, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, I gotta go. Meanwhile, Brian's partying. No, you know that, you know that feeling you get like uh, when you're like, oh, I want to tell him something, you know, but oh fuck, he's dead. Like mm-hmm. that, that shortness of breath you get for a second, you have that like it's borderline panic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like I had, like I'd be like, oh, I want to tell Brian something, and then I'm like, oh, I can't, and I'll be back in three weeks. You know, it was like, eh. it's like it's, it's all right. I didn't have that same shortness of breath I get with other friends that I can't just send a message to, yeah, and get a reply. So that's that a is, that's a symptom of the modern day era, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, everyone else was like, I'll send my lover. Um, piece of mail and they'll get it a year and a half later and my dearest isabella <laughs> it is hot here 
I am writing this to you slowly because I know you can't read so well. <laughs> you ever heard that comedian who's like... Uh, he has a bit on that. It's so good. He's like, you ever read like some podunk Civil War, you know, Southern Confederates letter back to his wife? He's like, my dearest so-and-so with indescribable feelings, I bow. And he's like, you hear read a letter from a guy like writing home from Iraq these days? He's like, Stacy, it is fucking hot here. <laughs> Send nudes. Send nudes. <laughs> we should give so somebody true. credit for that. That's uh, I can't I remember the comedian's really name. Not ours. Ah, dude. I don't know. Yeah. We got like four more four or five more minutes till we need to call Annette. What else is going on? It's summer, man. It is summer. It's Yay. it's like go time. I just rode here on my brand new hashtag boosted board. Boosted. I can add a link to that. Thing is awesome. I weigh 215 pounds right now because what I'm is, a fat fuck. What is a boosted board, Ben? It's a an electric skateboard, and I bought it because I think it will be the perfect conduit for shuttling the van this summer. It was a pretty hard JP, as my buddy used to call things, justifiable purchase. But I was like, yeah, last summer we just ran into so many times and it was like, we could shuttle the van, but then there's no one, you know, someone's going to have to drive down. Now I'm like, I'm going to throw this thing in the bushes with a full charge on it. We'll all land. I'll get on it right up the hill. It's got an advertised 14 mile range. So... I haven't gotten that out of it yet. But. Have you tried to go uphill with it? It hauls ass uphill, dude. Hmm. You know that hill from my house you know, into, into work? That's mm-hmm. like probably That's 15%, 20% grade? I was going 20 miles an hour up that thing. Nice. Yeah. And I'm, like I said, a f- total fat ass right now. So You got a helmet on? <laughs> yeah, I did actually. I had a bike helmet on today because I didn't know if they would. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they would let me on without it. So, but uh, yeah, that thing's awesome. Um, what else is going? On? Jen installed a bunch of new stuff in the van, so we got a kitchenette now. Hey, that swivels out. She did like professional level work, man. Nice. Yeah, it's very cool. And that's gonna be. That's all you reach for, right? Yeah. It's like, jeez. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna get bull moose. Uh, van. Uh, I got German plates on my van finally. Nice. I'm legit. I'm legal. And got rid of the got rid of the old one. Oh yeah, yeah. where'd it go? And some company bought it. They're, they're probably gonna spend like two hundred dollars fixing it and then sell it in Eastern Europe. Nice for way more than they bought it. So whatever, it's not my problem. Yeah. How much did you get for it? A grand. A grand? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Oh man. Whatever. It was. That was a nice van. I feel like a little nostalgic pang of, you know, that was yeah. the van that we sat out in front of my house for hours yeah, dicking around with. Facebook just reminded me of when we were working on that. that oh, was, yeah. Yeah, it was May of 16. No 16. kidding. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah, my neighbors just loved us. Oh, yeah, because doing any work outside on a Sunday is forbidden. Yeah. It's verboten, mm-hmm. even if it's, like, not um, loud. But it's Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Sunday. Quiet hours. <laughs> Boom. Can't do work on Sunday. Yep. Brian, I guess I can't ask you about to, this weekend. Yeah. 
All right, we'll save it. Baffin was cold. Yeah, no spoilers. We got a whole episode dedicated to Brian and Aaron and their Baffin adventures. That's right. Mm -hmm. Coming next episode. Yeah. So spoiler spoiler alert, it was cold. When when Brian got back, did you guys have pretty good makeup sex? No, uh, he got back and then I went straight to Vegas, basically. We (laughs) high-fived over like a day. And then Jen's first question to me when Brian left for a base jumping trip, Jen's first question to me was how will Randy survive? (laughs) She wasn't joking either. huh? (laughs) Probably. I'm like, well, Brian's the one going base jumping. She's like, yeah, but, but how will Randy survive? Yeah, it, it was, you know, like we, we don't travel. We don't do everything together, but uh, I, I still poop by myself. I was, I had a little bit of like, Be I was a little nervous because not everybody's come back from Baffin, you know? Yeah. So, and there's uh, polar bears there. Yeah. They sure were. Did you say see polar bears? Spoiler alert. Tune in next time. All right. Uh, should we give them a call? Let's do it. Hello. 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 Can you hear us? And, uh, and Joel's with me here. Joel, Hello. what's up? How's going? Yeah, we're just dialing in your levels real quick. Uh, welcome to the Base Life Podcast. Thanks for taking a moment to chat with us. Absolutely. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah. yeah. Here on our end, we've got our buddy Ben and, uh, and then, of course, me and Brian. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi, Ben. Hi, Brian. Hi, Ben. Hi, Brian. Hello. And dialing in here, we have Annette O'Neill and Joel Strickland. Yay. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you guys. We, we Are the levels on our side okay? You, We've got you sound great. Yeah, okay. Joel. Joel's a little hard to hear, but um, but no. Generally, How about this? I'm moving. I'm hey, moving oh there you are. That's there you <laughs> are. He's generally hard to hear. He's a professional mumbler. I'm sorry, he's a mumbler. <laughs> oh, he's... Or Englishman, as we're known. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have sub subtitles for the whole thing. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you guys right now? We are at Skydive Awesome, which is in Madras, Oregon. It's not too far uh, north of Bend and kind of on the other side of the mountains from Portland. It's a gorgeous place, hey? There's a five-mountain view from where we're sitting. Um, little Cessna drop zone, family feels, really, really good spots. Awesome. Nice. Are they, are they keeping it weird out there as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure they are. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about your road trip, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Shoot, what do you want to know? And, well, before we get into the road trip and uh, what it, what you're raising money for, uh, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about like um, your backgrounds um, you know, and how you found the Sky Sports and things like that. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Joel, you want to get started? Yeah, I... I started skydiving in uh, 2006 while backpacking in Australia. And at that time, I didn't really have much of an idea about what to do for an occupation. And after skydiving, I was instantly hooked. After one jump, I was kind of like, this is for me. This is what I'm going to do. And gradually just started working towards it. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know air sports existed. Um, in my 20s, I raced motorcycles. That was my thing in the, uh, in the twins class. And um, I thought that skydiving was just something that you did once with your friends to celebrate some birthday or other. Um, I had no idea there was a sport behind it. And I, uh, 
I met a guy in South Africa when I was on one of my many little sabbatical decompress from Los Angeles missions. And uh, he told me about base jumping, which I didn't know existed at all, and told me that skydiving was a sport that people did for, you know, repeatedly. Um, I had, I was absolutely baffled by it. So, of course, I had to try it. I did my first tandem in a little drop zone called Peter Maritzburg in South Africa. Um, and then immediately went back to the, the legendary um, Lodi Parachute Center on a terrible recommendation to complete my <laughs> AFS, um, which I did under the sketchiest possible circumstances to the point where the guy who did my AFF was like in tears to see that I was still jumping a couple of years <laughs> later when I saw him at a boogie. <laughs> and um, yeah, from there, I basically, as most of us do, redesigned my life around the idea of jumping out of things and off of things. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, so I was the same. I, um, I I didn't really have any idea about skydiving as a sport. I did my first couple of hundred jumps in New Zealand before coming back to the UK to uh, work as a tunnel instructor, which I did for uh, about five years, and then went freelance after that. I started competing uh, on a free flight team, from which we did from 2010 through to 2016, which kind of then brings us up to what we're doing now, which is... Uh, which is traveling and working freelance. Very cool. And and how did you guys find this sort of uh, independent, uh, or what, what do you call it, location independent lifestyle? How did how did you um, discover that, or how did you, you know, make it work? <laughs> it's really funny, actually. I was um I've been freelance since the day I was born. I've never had a quote unquote real job. I've always been in the states. We call it ten ninety nine, which is um, like contract work. I produced television commercials and music videos for about 10 years when I lived in LA. And um, as I was doing that, I realized that I didn't want to live in LA for the rest of my life. And you kind of get sucked into this thing when you're in production where you have to be making so much money to sustain the lifestyle that you have to keep working. Um, these like soul sucking jobs. I mean, selling people toothpaste and vacuum cleaners is not fun work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like really high pressure. So, um, I've always been a writer. Um, I set my sights on transitioning from production, which is very much a location dependent job. You have to be there, getting the calls in LA, to something that I could do when I was traveling around. Even though I knew I was going to be taking a huge pay cut, like a huge pay cut. Um, and I basically, I thought that I was inventing it as I went along. I read a, a book um, when it came out by a man named Tim Ferriss, which is called The 4-Hour Workweek, which sort of inspired the, um, the general idea of a freelance job that you just do anywhere you happen to be. Um, his version of it leans a little bit too hard on, well, at the time, it's, it's sort of an outdated idea, but it leans pretty hard on the idea of having virtual assistants in third world countries to basically run your empire for you, which... <laughs> as most of us have discovered, does not work. <laughs> not the greatest. <laughs> no. So I ended, up, um, I ended up just getting a bunch of freelance writing clients and writing for, uh, and writing for magazines. Um, that's how I sustain myself. I also do an awards show. I produce an awards show for the animation industry called the Annie Awards, um, which I've actually been a part of since I was a, a college intern. And now it's my baby. 
I run it entirely. Yeah. Yeah. When is the next one? Uh, they're always in February, like yeah. the first week of February. Yeah, smack dab in the middle of awards season. We duke it out with the with the BAFTAs and the Oscars and everybody else on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing those pop up on uh, Instagram. That was a lot of fun. You got you got some uh, really high profile celebrities that come to your to the Annie Awards. Yeah, um, Angelina Jolie was there last year, which is super fun. Yeah, I saw um, that. Pat Oswalt has hosted us. Um, my favorite, because I'm an incorrigible nerd, uh, was when Captain Kirk himself was the host of our show. No kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, we met the Rick and Morty guys this oh, wow. time around. That was, that was super fun. So well, that that would be my favorite, right? Yeah, they're amazing. They sent us a, a box of signed stuff, which is sitting in my um, my location independent yeah, post um, office box in Michigan right now. We <laughs> just got back from working at a drop zone in South Africa. Through the through our winter, their summer, and the kids all there on the drop zone love that show so much, and so we asked them if they could send us uh, a couple of things. So we got all these signed goods to send yeah. to them. Oh wow, that's which really is, cool! They're be blown away by it. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> they, awesome. they love it so much that they're like poke tattooing Rick and Morty characters <laughs> in each other's arms and legs. It's fantastic. <laughs> wow, yeah. I, I actually told uh, a friend this over the weekend who just got into tattooing i was like i could use a tiny rick somewhere you know i was like uh, <laughs> everybody uh, could use a tiny right? rick somewhere <laughs> but or maybe a pickle rick but uh <laughs> i'm pickle rick <laughs> yeah that's awesome that won our show this year by the way um that was I think, best best general audience uh animated television like that particular episode pickle rick so no we're... kidding yeah that, that was definitely <laughs> one of my favorites season three is a little little darker than the others but it's uh it's good <laughs> It's so good. How much darker can you get now? Right? Is it just like a laugh every minute instead of a laugh every thirty seconds? And yeah. The rest are basically like in tears, rocking back and forth. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like I. There were episodes <laughs> that the first time we watched them, I was like, I, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I feel like I need to watch that again. Like, I, <laughs> got conflicted feelings here. I would have to agree with you there. It's the best way, though. Yeah. That, or I'm just not as smart as I thought I was, and it was just over my head. Who knows? Like. <laughs> maybe yeah. over your heart man uh, yeah. over the strings. oh man but yeah, yeah so Joey had a, a slightly different approach to how he went location independent well I was working at a tunnel in the UK for a long time so I was fairly static but then after going freelance um, the tunnels in Europe are much much cheaper and so it's a really popular thing for um, if you're going to do any serious amount of tunnel time to head over to either Slovakia, which is where we spend uh, like about a third of the year running tunnel camps, which is kind of, you know, a bulk of the heavy lifting work I do, which I then um, sort of, you know, supplement with working on various drop zones as we travel around and doing also doing some journalism work. Because uh, the tunnel time in the UK is prohibitively expensive. So if anyone wants to, to do any, uh, you know, any kind of big camps Large they'll they'll head off somewhere much cheaper yeah that so that's really cool so you kind of went from uh tunnel to tunnel and drop zone to drop zone and, yeah and, and and also through riding so that's really cool that's yeah there's a few regular places we go but then it's kind of mixed up with you know new things here and there yeah, we, and everybody on this path makes it up for themselves. Just it's it's sort of like um it's sort of like the the base jumping lifestyle like everybody had a different entry to it um, everybody has a really sort of unique way of framing the way that they do what they do. 
and like you all kind of watch each other and respect each other's approaches i guess so it's really similar philosophically speaking yeah and and that's part of what we want to share with this uh podcast you know is that there are different ways of of living and doing things and um you know chasing what what you love so you know and yeah, man. and you guys were on my list of people to talk to definitely in the crosshairs um long <laughs> before i read your article in um the parachutist it was the may edition Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I was flipping through that the magazine at work just real quick because I, I like to go through real quick and see just how many friends I can find really quickly. And then, <laughs> nice. uh, and then I saw your article and I was like, ah, sweet. So I like say like I earmarked it and I was like, I'm going to read that when I get home. And then I, I, by the time I finished, I didn't even have to finish the article to know that uh, that was going to be the centerpiece of our topic or uh, centerpiece of our conversation. And uh, hooray. Yeah, but I did finish the article. I actually read it like several times. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, really enjoyed it. And so on that note, um, tying in the uh, location independent with the article you wrote, Annette, why don't you tell us a little bit about your article and the uh, what you guys uh, up to right yeah, now, that, the whole yeah. point of this thing. So... That article is actually part of a greater series that I'm writing for Parachutist magazine um, about the ways that air sports give back to the communities. Because there's a lot of us who um, who care very deeply about not only jumping out of things and jumping off of things, but about the, the other people that share our space, right? Um, and I feel like people in air sports have a unique responsibility because we have like a, a literally higher perspective on the world around us. And also we have a tendency to be, you know, um, we're, we're earning, um, we have a lot more freedom than other people might to be able to contribute. And so I feel like there's a, an inherent responsibility and a lot of people take it up, right? So I propose to parachutists that we, um, that we profile some of these, um, some of these sort of quiet storms that are, that are generating a lot of good um, charities and and contributions and uh, really powerful changes in the world outside of skydiving, base jumping, paragliding, speed flying, tunnel. Um, so I got to profile a, a few of them. And then I realized that my own kind of pet concern really deserved some play there. So um, a couple of the other ones that we profiled are these uh, the, a group called Skydiving Angels that is building this enormous retreat, actually for the children of fallen warriors in the you know in the U.S. Armed Forces. Um, the Jump for the Rose, which is Marion Sparks thing that she does in Houston. Um, this Rose Clinic saved her life. Um, from metastasizing breast cancer. Um, she told the doctor that cured her that she was going to raise money and save other women, and she has definitely been doing that. Um, she saved lots of lives by getting a bunch of skydivers together to uh, build big formations and give money back. But the one that I am really, really focused on is Operation Enduring Warrior, which is the article that you read, Randy. And um, it is a group of guys... Um, that not only um, support really, really seriously wounded war veterans, um, but 
get these guys out doing things that they never thought that they would be able to do, never mind things that they didn't think that they'd be able to do again. Um, we're talking about guys who are, um, who have really, really severe head injuries, who are missing arms and legs, sometimes multiple arms and legs. Um, they get them through a whole lot of, um, of austere runs, like mud runs and, and uh, Spartans. And a couple of years ago, um, this woman named Yvetta Merv, she goes by Merv, um, she decided that she was going to grow a skydiving arm for Operation Enduring Warrior. Um, she reached out to Nick and Brianne, who run Axis Flight School in Arizona. Brianne gave and me my first tunnel time ever. Really? <laughs> so first time I ever got in a tunnel ever was with her. Nice. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but I was... I got no, excited about that good. when I was reading the article. I was like, oh, I know her. It's a few You're other like, people oh, you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Dude, those two are incredible. They are the most professional skydivers I have ever come across in my life. They are dialed into the nth power. Um, and they they can teach anybody to fly. And they took on Operation Enduring Warrior as a chance to prove that, really. And to uh, to allow those skills that they've developed over many years to really come to fruition and get these guys in the sky who, you know, others would say not only would never be able to live normal lives again, but would certainly never be able to do anything really cool again. Um, we're talking Todd Love, who has both of his legs amputated at the hip and half of his left arm. Mm -hmm. um, he He's licensed. Yeah, I, you know? I, I, I met Todd... Uh... He did a, a tandem in Hawaii into an Xterra race back in like 2012, 11. Nice. Yeah, I met him a while back. Um, I, we, briefly, I wouldn't expect him to remember me, but sorry. Anyways. <laughs> He's a cool guy, man. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, he, they've, got, um, they've got other guys who are also, you know, at least, um, they're at least single amputees, sometimes double amputees. Um, they've when they get their licenses, they get them together on teams. Um, there's a four-way team that actually operates out of Paraclete that is an operation during Warrior four-way team. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the reason that... I mean, it seems a little bit strange because not a whole lot of people know that I have a military background um, in the, you know, the folks that I've met through air sports. And I've gotten a lot of feedback. Like, why are you so interested in helping veterans like isn't that a little odd and <laughs> thing is my dad served 30 years in the air force um when he when he left the air force he was a hospital commander he immediately went over to running to being chief of staff for a veterans administration hospital in tennessee um in johnson city a place called quillen and in the late 2000s, we're talking, well, mid to late 2000s, 2006, 7, 8, somewhere in there, um, that hospital was pretty much the major intake for guys coming back from the Middle East who had sustained amputation requisite injuries. Mm -hmm. um, and when I would go back to visit my parents, I would see these guys coming back, trying to figure out what the rest of their lives were going to look like. Because um, they clearly weren't going to be able to stay active duty and they had no idea what they were going to do. So, you know, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of hopelessness 
there was a lot of existential confusion. Um, and these are these are young guys, you know, guys in their in their early twenties who had lives stretching way out ahead of them. Um, that it had become clear were going to be really really challenging lives, and that really affected me seeing that when I was a bit younger. And I am um, when I started skydiving, you know, in those especially in those early years in those early seasons where everything in the sky just seems incredibly challenging. Like you just can't figure out where your arms and legs are and how much you're arching and you can't figure out why you're turning. And it real you realize later that it's because you had your tent in one arm more than your tent in the other. And I realized that skydiving really puts everybody on a very even playing field. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you don't know where your arms and legs are, does it even matter if you have that arm and leg, you know? Yeah. And uh, and so when I saw my first Operation Enduring Warrior athlete when I was jumping at a boogie in Arizona when Nick and Brianne were doing training, um, I realized like it, it suddenly went off for me. I was like, "Whoa, this is this is the even playing field. Like this is where these guys can experience what it's like to not only you know meet an incredibly high level of challenge." in a way that they're used to meeting an incredibly high level of challenge before their injury, but they could potentially be better than the people around them. Yeah. Um, well, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Was, yeah. And, and not to mention all like the, the confidence boosting and, uh, you know, challenge, you know, the challenges that you face like as a skydiver and what that does for your, for the self, if you will. Absolutely. And the community too, hey? Like um, yeah. one, of the, one of the things that comes up very, very often um, with veterans issues is a sense of isolation and a sense of not being able to, to experience the same brotherhood, a siblinghood, I guess, um, that the military once provided. And especially for these guys who are, who are severed not only from the community, but from their previous physical selves. Um, I think air sports provides that um, air sports allows connections that the quote unquote real world would never be able to offer. And also a, a kind of an element of responsibility over the safety of those around you, which is sort of immediately lost on, on sort of like getting out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that's something I think we can all relate to here. And, and, you know, I, I did when I separated from the, the Marine Corps, I didn't feel any of those, like the, too many of those pangs, you know, because I, I had the sky community and, and I had never thought yeah. about that until just now, honestly. Yeah. Can you imagine what it would have been like if you were stepping out and you didn't have air sports and you didn't have the sky family? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you think about the, like, um, going on patrol versus going on a skydive or a base jump, you know, it's like, uh, you're on it the entire time, you know, and, and it's like, you know, you have to do certain things to keep yourself alive. And, uh, so there's, mm -hmm. there's, and you have to take care of the people around you cause you don't want to hurt your friend in free fall any less than you want to, yeah. you know, do those things that would yeah. be like, uh, in combat. So yeah, I, I've never made those connections before, for now, before now, to be honest. Yeah, it seems, it seems a sort of a pretty popular theme with the guys that we've talked to so far along the way doing interviews and stuff is that they, uh, they find a lot of value in the in the sort of camaraderie they have on the drop zone. Yeah, for sure. 
So what are you guys doing uh, specifically for Operation Enduring Warrior? Well, when, um, when I first, okay, so because we're location independent um, and we work on the road, Joel and I are able to donate six months of our lives to doing this project, right? Um, when we first when we first talked about it, um, it sort of hinged on the fact that I had just acquired a twenty year old motorhome. <laughs> it's like Congratulations! Thirty seven. Thank you. It's a thirty seven foot long beast from nineteen ninety six. Yeah, it's like captaining a ship. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a rolling apartment. It's no. enormous. I originally bought it for for Burning Man, um, but then realized you know that's that's once a year, and this thing is just sitting fallow, and um, and I hadn't seen too much of the state. So I'm thinking like, oh, you know, like, we can we can do some big road trip, and then all of a sudden I realized um, it was actually when I was when I was watching a, a news program, one of these like horrible, divisive news stories, basically about how the country is falling apart and we all hate each other now, um, and I realized if people don't really get in there and start talking to each other and see what's what people are really thinking, um, then it's going to be really easy to fall into this massively partisan worldview. So I've got this, I've got this RV. I've got this pension to take a road trip. Jolie's got a pension to take a road trip and see the rest of the U S outside the small chunk that he's already seen through coming to visit me over here. And then I realized that I could tie all of this together and do some good for Operation Enduring Warrior by by making this trip very specifically an effort to get people to take a look at Operation Enduring Warrior, to drum up some some interest, to get awareness out there of what these guys are doing and what their goals are, um, and also talk to people in literally every corner of the U.S. about about what's going on with them, about what they're what they're going through philosophically and about this this thirst for like a reunified community. And the fact that reunified community happens at the drop zone every weekend. Um, you've got your like you're like slavering Obamists and your you're like, you know, gun toting Trumpists and your like disaffected Bernie Sanders kids and none of them know and none of them care. They're just out there jumping yeah. and caring about each other as humans. And like when politics comes up, it gets brushed aside so quickly because what we really care about here is the greater goal of, of having fun and building beautiful skydives together. Yeah. There's also an element of, um, like Annette talks about with the other charities of being able to give back a little bit. It's uh, the location independence thing is a great lifestyle to be able to lead. But after a, a while, it's sort of, it becomes just bouncing from place to place to place without a great deal of purpose at times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it sort of grew to the point where we sort of feel like, you know, this project was being a continuation of that, but also able to, to start to give back a little bit and do something with a bit more purpose to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we called, um, we called the guy who now runs the OEW skydive program. I talked to uh, Merv about it a second. She was like, okay, so you need to talk to this fellow named Andrew. And um, when we first got in touch with Andrew about what we wanted to do, um, he, was, he was incredibly emotional about it. Because um, I guess OEW has had a lot of trouble um, doing, getting the word out 
and having us just pop up out of the clear blue sky and just say, hey, we have six months of our lives here. Do you want them? Um, was enormous for him. And what we're basically trying to do with this, we're, um, Jolie's a really good shooter and a really good editor. So um, he's putting together a documentary about the process. Um, we're interviewing veterans at each of the drop zones that we visit. And we're talking to them about their experience of, of being of being veteran and being in skydiving. So we're trying to, we're trying to get all of these individual stories um, about the community and about the importance of, about the importance of the sport in their lives. And uh, we're basically trying to raise a thousand dollars in every state that we visit. Wow. Um, for a total of, nice. we're going for a total of 50K. And the reason that we're doing that is that the money that goes into Operation Enduring Warrior Skydive Program, it's 100% volunteer, um, would go to not only train new vets to jump, but the vets that have started jumping and have run out of money, run out of resources to do it. Um, the program's gonna match their, match their jump tickets, so they'll get it done in half the financial time. Very cool. And they're getting these guys their demonstration ratings, their demo skydive ratings, so that they can make jumps like the one that you saw yeah. um, into, into races and into veteran events and show people that this is something that is absolutely possible um, no matter what your physicality um, and that, that skydiving is there for you with open arms. Um, so that's the goal. And that's uh, down 450. Is that yep. right? Down 450. Yeah. Down F-O-R-5-0. And it's down for 50.org. It's the website. Yeah, we, we will add links to both of those in the show notes. Um, yeah, that's really cool. That's so exciting. Um, and that, that really, like, uh, when I read the article, you know, it kind of it pinged for me because, you know, I'm a, I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I am a jumper. And I also appreciate the van life, you know, traveling that you guys do. So it was just like, <laughs> wow. You know, just like it, it hit really hard when I, when I read the article. So I, I had to reach out like immediately. Actually, the, the day nice. we started chatting was you know, I, I had just finished the article. Rad. I was going to say, so the article came out in May. Um, mm -hmm. So how when, many states have you actually hit yeah, so far? Yeah, give us a progress report. Yeah, no worries. So the article came out in May. Um, our official start date was the 1st of May. So we're not very deep into it yet. Nice. Um, this is a six-month timeline. Joel's visa runs out on October 20th. Sorry, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so America. basically, um, yeah. America, I know. Um, so basically what we got here, um, we are at drop zone number seven of 50 right now. Um, we are right on schedule, even though we had to get the transmission replaced last week, which was a kerfuffle all its own. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. Like, in, even at this point, people have been so amazing with, with everything. Like, we're absolutely blown away by the generosity and hospitality people have shown, without exception, of the places that we've been. And that goes for, like, we started off in Eloy, which is a big, big, huge drop zone, and they were great there. That was an amazing spot to warm up. Mm -hmm. And then we've been through, um, you know, smaller family-feeling places, and, and everyone has been great. And even, I mean, we're on drop zone number seven, right? And already, in these, in these seven states, 
we have gotten to do a demo jump into a, a field full of cheering elementary school kids. Um, we've gotten to do a demo into a, a brewery in Wyoming that sits at what, like 6,200 feet. Like there's just no air molecules no up there. Air. Wow. Fast, fast <laughs> landings. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I've got a, I've got a 134, so I'm fine. But Julie, what you you nailed that landing, but you're. <laughs> I was like, what's your wing loading? Please let there be some breeze. It's like <laughs> it's not it's not super like my canopy's not super tiny, but it's loaded like two point four. So I was kind of like, please let there be some. Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> it's not super tiny. Yeah. It's just a two point four. You know, like <laughs> I, you it's know, not super it's... tiny, but I'm huge. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, we um they had us wear these rubber elephant masks on a hop and pop where the ASL of the landing area was 6,200 feet. It was crazy, but it was so fun. And the beer was amazing. It's this place called Melvin Brewery. And uh, I highly suggest if you're going through Alpine, Wyoming, that you hit it up. It is so good. I mean, <laughs> I, I might now. I, I never considered going through um, Wyoming, but also never considered going to Idaho. And now that's one of my favorite places in America. So Nice. <laughs> Twin Falls, hey? Right. <laughs> Yeah, strangely, as we crossed the bridge twice, there was actually nobody there because it was a bit windy. But uh, you know, I was expecting bummer. to see a uh, a conveyor belt of uh, a first jump course students. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, summer summer's come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you guys said you're in Oregon now. <clears throat> yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Skydive Madras, Oregon. Uh, Skydive Awesome in Madras, Oregon. And where are you going uh, next? Um, we're going up to a little drop zone called Skydive Toledo, which is just a bit south of Seattle. And then we fly from Seattle to Anchorage to jump out of a float plane in Talkeetna, Alaska, which is going to be so good. Oh, that is so cool. Mm. Have you never always wanted to like stand on the strut of a float plane and jump off? I mean, for sure. Yeah, I've done that in Alaska. <laughs> Oh, wow. That was big. If you have tips for us on how to pull this off, that would be great. Uh, my only tip is uh, gloves. <laughs> really good gloves. Because, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that your guy's float plane has a side door that you can get out of. And, uh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I, I got out of a like a Piper two-seater tandem seated thing. So mm-hmm. didn't know how long the climb out was going to take. So I climbed out like two miles early and then got on the strut <laughs> and was like, shit, it is so cold up here. Oh, and gosh. now I'm just out here, you know, and, uh, <laughs> staring at the pilot. Can I, can I, can I climb back in maybe like, what's the deal? Like, can you blow on my hands while we're flying? <laughs> um, Cause, and it's just forest underneath you, like forest and ice flows the oh, whole yeah. time that you're waiting to get off. So <laughs> nice. yeah. Um, I've never met either one of you guys. My name's Ben, and I've got a lot of connections to the military myself. Um, nice. I've been wondering this whole time that we've been talking, what is there anything that you guys need? I mean, obviously, your goal is to raise money and to do good in the world, but is, mm-hmm. there, is there anything that you guys could use to synergize this effort along the way that you've thought of since you started the trip where it's like it just didn't occur before that, that maybe we could throw out to, to other people who might be in your path? Oh, it's definitely occurred to us. Um, if anybody has any connections with a, a, you know, a fuel company that might be willing <laughs> to kick in, that would be brilliant. Um, this 37 foot 1996 monstrosity gets about five miles to the gallon, which is, uh, mm. you know, we're taking it on the chin a little bit for that, but we, we spoke about it um, beforehand 
and said, you know, it would be nice to get gas donations, but if we don't cover any of this, then we're we're willing and we're able yeah, we just spend the money that it takes. We we made peace with that beforehand. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it was important to us from the outset to be able to complete the trip under our own steam and not have to to freak out about relying on you know any kind of generosity we receive along the way. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's great. Like sharing sharing the information is the the first most important thing I think. Yeah. Like having like links to our website and our Instagrams. We're doing stuff all the time, like videos and blogs and a continual stream of photos. And so just sharing that around is, is you know, is kind of like a, a good way to help. Yeah, because that's, that's the main focus, right? Like getting this out in, getting this out in front of people and letting them know that this program exists and what it's meant to do. And people can help with things like gas through, through your site, uh, Down for 50, correct? Yes, yeah, there's there's a spot for it. And and Randy, we very appreciate the contribution that you put forward. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I couldn't resist. I mean it seemed like such a great thing. I was I was so And also there's um there's a, a direct link via our website to the donation page on Operation Enduring Warrior. And also you can just go straight to them and, and make donations if, exactly. if that's a thing you want to do. Yeah, we're we're not operating as a donation pass through for them. We're encouraging direct donations to that group. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe, you know, as you guys are on the move and, uh, you know, are, are engulfed in this effort where you're on the ground and you're physically moving around and doing things and interacting mm-hmm. with people that mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe we could or we could find people to kind of grease the skids before you come into town. Maybe you've already done that. Um, you know, like Veteran of Foreign Wars posts, the VFWs, those guys, you know, those old vets that never found skydiving that... <laughs> That love to sit around and drink in each town. Yeah, for sure. They get fired up <laughs> about this here. stuff, you know. You get a lot of local churches and I mean all sorts of people who, you know, you say, We're coming through to help guys who have have yep. you know sacrificed it, you know. Yeah. Served, yeah. They've yeah, given absolutely. A, they've given a piece that of themselves. Fantastic, you know. The, and the more people I mean, as as you guys know, these guys don't have to be jumping to be part of the community. Um, there are plenty of guys who have never made a jump in their lives who end up at the drop zone every weekend, um, taking photos, hanging out, um, you know, being being a part of it. So, and and most people end up getting on that plane every once in you know every once in a while when they when they feel moved by the spirit. But you know, it really is for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I I recall uh, jumping out at Skydive Rayford um, years mm-hmm. ago. And seeing guys out there that would, you know, guys in their 60s, 70s who would pull up on their Harleys and they'd sit there and they'd drink a beer and you'd walk by and you'd see that they had a pin from 101st Airborne or 82nd Airborne or, you know, some military unit on their, on their riding vest. And you get to talking to Mm -hmm. them and realize that, you know, they used to jump back in the day through the military and they're just out there Mm -hmm. because just like you said, it provides them a sense of community. They're around people that they understand on a very basic level level and they they see eye to eye with and they just you know it's they recharge that way and and guys would sit around out there and you know have a beer with them and trade stories and and you know a lot of those guys they uh you know they they got out of vietnam or whatever conflict they're in and went on to run very successful businesses and Mm -hmm. they need tax breaks you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know they're just looking they're looking for that uh I, i went i remember i went to a um a charity event one time for uh, a buddy of mine who had, had passed away uh, in the line of duty. And 
he, while we were there, um, I was talking to the woman who organized the, the event and I was asking her, you know, like, what, how do you guys take in money? I mean, like, how does this work? You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. my, my first real exposure to it. And the yeah. organization that she was working for had provided my buddy's family flights to his funeral. He had families that lived on the other side of the country and, and you know, they were mm-hmm. not in a financial standing that they could just, yeah. you know, drop a couple grand and fly out last minute, you know? Yeah. And, uh, she said, you know, a lot of it's just people that, uh, they, they love these guys and they want to help out mm-hmm. and, and, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's it. And they've got a lot of money and they can either give it to the government or they can give it to us. And as we're talking this, this really regal looking guy in his fifties, um, (laughs) walks over and says, you know, like grabs her hand with both hands and kind of leans in and says, thanks so much for this event. Dinner was great. You know, you guys are great. Love what you're doing. And, uh, we'll see you at the next one. Um, hopefully, Mm -hmm. hopefully not too soon, you know? And, uh, and, she like as he's walking away you know like military guys always hand off coins yep yeah military coins yeah your dad yep. was 30 years you know all about this so yeah he, she kind <laughs> of does a lot of coins in the house <laughs> yeah she kind of does the like i just got a coin you know in my hand and yeah. but i look and it's a check and she goes she turns to me and she goes like that and I go, wow. and I'm like, how much did that guy just give you? And she like glances down at it. And she goes, uh, $1.5 million. Whoa. I'm like, are you wow. kidding me? Like, yeah. like it was nothing, you know? And she's like, yeah, there's just people out there and they want, they want to leave a mark and this is how wow. they do it. I wow. <laughs> felt like running after the guy and be like, you don't have to do that. You know, like that's too much. <laughs> But I mean, God dang, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, um, maybe he's still out there. Yeah. Hanging out. He, at the drop zone. He, he is out there is my point. He is out there. He just doesn't know nice. what you guys are doing yet. So nice. Um, yeah. I mean, that would, well, that would be awesome. We would, we would love to get this, uh, this message out to uh to that guy and to you know the guy who just wants to go into the vfw and roll round up everybody into the back of his truck and drive down to the drop zone like both sides of that work well for us man do you have a do you have a set plan uh you know you have a you have a set uh itinerary for when and where you're going to be for this thing Absolutely. Um, the whole route is charted. The maps and the spreadsheets for our arrival departure dates are up on downfor50.org. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just scroll down to for our partner drop zones, it's all right there in the in living color. All right. That's awesome. All you got to do is get friends. people of, you know, five W's who, what, when, yeah. where, and why. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I, as I said, I produced for a really long time. So I'm used to. I'm used to spreadsheets and maps and schedules, and I I deployed all of that in the in the interest of this project. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I was all over your uh, your site and the OEW site, and um, I, I like how you put it together. And because um, I've always wanted to hit all fifty states, I feel like I've been in more countries in the world than I have in states in America. And that was uh, true for me too. Yeah, I, I I like how you guys broke down the country and, and into segments. And, um, 
and put a plan together for uh, for the jumps. I mean, it, you you definitely put a lot of thought and a lot of heart into this this uh, adventure. It's the only real way to get it done. With six months, it gives us fewer than four days per state, which is which is not not a lot. And um, so we're trying to work really hard at the beginning to develop a little more flexibility later on. And so the better we do on this end of the trip, the more time we're going to have to, uh, you know, to relax a little bit as we go, hopefully. Some weather day weather room. Yeah. Yeah. Buy yourself a little bit of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. miraculously, so far we are still on schedule, so that's great. Oh, knock yeah. on wood. And how are you guys doing <laughs> on the uh, the fundraising part? Um, it's been a slow start, but that's absolutely understandable. Um, we we don't get balance sheets from Operation Enduring Warrior because we have, as I said, re- uh, encouraged direct donations to them. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how much is flowing into them. Um, people have said that they've been giving, which is fantastic. We couldn't be happier about that. Um, when you think about it, I mean, every if somebody contributes uh, 25 bucks, then they're giving two jumps to one of the licensed guys who's working on that demo. So it's um, it's pretty efficient, all told. Um, and if somebody, you know, if somebody's given 100 bucks, then that's then that's eight jumps. And that's a that's a percentage towards, you know, getting that demo rating. Yeah. Um, it would be. Um, as we as we go along and as we talk more about this and get in front of more people, um, we're anticipating that that's going to ramp up. State number seven is pretty early on. Yeah, we <laughs> knew that um, at the beginning it would basically be up to us to make a good showing of our intentions before later on, as we've uh, hopefully done well, we can start pushing the, you know, the the donations aspect of it a little bit more after we've sort of, you know, done our best with yeah. our end of the project you know yeah we didn't we didn't yeah, yeah we really didn't want to just have not really done anything yet and start asking people for loads of money you know right mm-hmm. yeah for sure and uh, and this is there are a lot of projects that get started in air sports that for one reason or another taper off and aren't able to finish so we understand people being skittish about donating in the in the early rounds you know yeah um, for sure by the time by the time we're at fifty percent, sixty percent, by the time we get to Rayford, we'll be at about seventy five percent. And uh, at that point, I think people will know that we're really quite serious if they can't tell already. <laughs> yeah, nice. But however much you you guys earn in the interim, you know, it's uh, like you said, whether something tapers off or not. You know, I always think of that that old story about the guy after the storm throwing starfish back into the sea. You ever heard that story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i'm talking about nope yep. there's a storm it's, it's, it's an old adage but there's a you know there's a guy walking the beach and there's millions of starfish that have washed up from this big storm and he's throwing them back and this person's walking by him and says why are you doing that you know there's there's so many like you you can't throw them all back and he picks up one and he goes well it matters to this one you know mm-hmm. so yeah nice yeah absolutely and I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the sort of existential angst that we've been experiencing as like a meta community lately has to do with that feeling that there's so much wrong right now um, yeah. that it's really easy to feel frozen and helpless, like you can't do anything, like you can't meaningfully contribute. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's a call to action. I feel like it's a call to to do what you can right now, even if it's one starfish. Yeah, absolutely. 
You, you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's so exciting. Uh, so yeah, guys. Um, so I have a quick, a little section I always like to do with guests that are, um, people that I've jumped with and Uh that's to sort of revisit one of my favorite moments, um, with that, that guest and Joel, I apologize. We've never actually jumped together. Um, we, we were at the same heli boogie. I think it was 14. And did you hurt your ankle? And I was like, ah, he doesn't look like he's in, I, I wanted to like say hi. And I was like, he looks like he doesn't want to talk to a stranger right now. And so I, uh, was politely, that, were we all up, were we all up in the, um, like at the top room of the team yeah, that day? Yeah. Yes. And I was repacking his rig. Yeah. Oh, and you good. showed me the Lobo when it was still a demo. Like it oh, wasn't yeah. even out yet. And I was like, Oh, yep. what is this? Yeah. yeah, my my um, ankle hurt for like a year and a half. Yeah, bro, I, I could just tell. I was like, I, I was like, I wanted to say say hi, but I was like, eh, bro, this doesn't seem like the right time. I, I've been broken enough that I I know that look, you know. Like, yeah, oh, God. I had after that after that trip, I had um, just over two weeks before I had to go and do a week of training for uh, for free fly competitions. So I was on the verge of having to do like a hundred skydives in a week, yeah. and so I just you know like I. I managed it, but it that whole summer was like in a lot of pain. That <laughs> yeah. jump, that jump was a really big one for me. That was with um, with Alex Polly and Omar Alhelligan, who like uh, Omar was one of the one of the sections on Patrick Passe's crosswind from the early two thousands, and it was a sequence of him free flying was one of the kind of the inspiring moments for me to get into into free flying, into doing what I do. And so I jumped with those two guys. And then uh, Polly and I were sort of dicking around on the canopy, trying to fly close to each other and got a little bit far downwind. Ended up going for the alternate landing area at Jurag, which I'd landed in a few times before. And I was all smug. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. And just like rolled my ankle all the way around on a rock that mm. I didn't see under the grass. <laughs> and I was like, Stupid grass. Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm hurt. <laughs> I am hurt. The trip is ruined. Let's go home now. Yeah. So, so Annette, I don't know if you remember. It would have been summer of 13. And uh, you, me, Brian, Aaron, there was a big load of us on uh, getting as many as we could cram in the uh, taxi. We were all going to La Mousse. Yep. Yeah. And uh, this, this was... Also, the first time we met Aaron, which so so this jump was really big in uh, a lot of different levels because you know Aaron has become uh, like our People, sister, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and we we were hiking and having a laugh about trying to get songs stuck in each other's faces in our in our heads and faces uh, <laughs> in our faces, yeah, face. in our faces. <laughs> songs in our faces. Close enough. And uh, so we we got to the exit and then. Uh, Somebody's helmet just started rolling and oh Brian God, runs what? over and start like tries to grab with no, no rig on nothing, like gets <laughs> close to the edge, you know, and like tries to save the helmet and the GoPros and it, the, some of some of that equipment's gone. No, no one got hurt in the process, but I believe we lost a GoPro and a helmet at least. Uh-huh. It was a girl's helmet, wasn't it? No, no, no. no. See, and here's, okay. So I remember this so well, right? Um, that was that was Brett Kistler's helmet, and yeah. he was gearing up at the roots, just at the top of Lamoose, 
Um, he'd set it in one of those roots, and then because Brett is like about eight feet long at every limb, he like turned around to say something to somebody and just mm. gave it a nice swat. So it was rolling down the hill. Right and, past um, me. As it started to as it started to roll, Brian went for it, and Brett was like, "Yes, yes, 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 yes." yes. And we're all and like, like, "No, no, 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 no!" no. Like the last third of the hill, everybody's like, "No, no, 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 no!" <laughs> and I yeah. still remember Brian's face. Brian, I remember your face when you turned around, <laughs> when you realized where you were and what you'd been doing, and your state of gear. Like I had never seen anybody turn that shade of opalescent purple. <laughs> Yeah, it was that oh shit moment where you're like, Ooh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am so glad that you didn't follow that helmet down the hill. <laughs> I ran straight into the tree. Yeah. Oh, God. yeah that was that was I, a moment. I remember it being like a little bit slightly to the left of the tree as you're standing on exit. <laughs> yeah, there was the well, there's the stump. I think I think he stopped at the stump. You know, at yep. the news. I, I think that's where he stopped. Yep. But. I mean, that was like I remember that. that was like uh, what, twenty thirteen. Yeah. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, so after the jump, everyone jumped, everyone landed safely, and then I got electrocuted by a fence because I, mm-hmm. I was trying to get a baby cow to come like play nice with the camera and didn't realize I was as you do. They're so yeah, cute. Didn't realize I was I was standing right next to an electric fence and got got mm-hmm. zapped. So, so that 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 was one of my favorite moments. Uh, Slash jumps with you. That was yeah. that was a really fun one. Hey, yeah. Do you remember the uh, the other jump in the? Were you there with with Brett when? Um, oh, I'm not sure what we can talk about in this podcast. Um, when when Brett was bet, um, a certain amount of Swiss francs. Oh um, yes. Oh, we initiated. Introduce that. one of his body parts. Yeah. to Yeah, I think right. that's safe enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, we apparently I, all it takes is a hundred bucks to yeah. get. Um, Dude to shock his dick. Yep. Yeah, and you know the funny <laughs> thing it. about the funny thing about base jumpers is um, everyone is stingy with that last five francs. Mm-hmm. But in that moment when he, when he's like ten francs, maybe a hundred francs, I have never seen a hundred francs that materialize <laughs> that quickly among base jumpers. <laughs> ne- never in my life. And like. Uh, yeah. It was like all of a sudden, like money was just raining, and we were like, "Oh yeah, this, this is happening." <laughs> yeah, yep, and didn't I think he fell over on the he? he yeah, was yeah a it was on a hill, and he slid, he kind of, and yeah. slid like into the fence. Into the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. Oh, in the good valley. times. Good times. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember one time we paid a, a another military buddy of mine at, at Eloy. Mm-hmm. To get up there in the bent mm-hmm. prop on a on a, just a packed night, there was like uh, some sort of world record coming out. We were like, Dave, if Dave ever listens to this, Dave, like the same thing, like hundred bucks, get up on this. He had one, he was one of those dudes that was just you know gifted, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh, so he was always pulling it out anyways. And it was like, Dave, hundred bucks if you stand up on this table with this song and literally helicopter for the rest of this song and act like not you know act like you don't even. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. Gets up there and does it. And I just remember looking around and being like, no one is even, no one's even, no one's even noticed. They don't even, (laughs) this event prop, no one even cares. NBD. (laughs) So I just had to give him a hundred dollars and then 
he continued having a giant crank. I was like, well, he won this one big time. You know what I mean? Well, he, he won, won twice. He won before the bet even happened. But then he dropped a 45-pound lifting plate on it and had to get it drained with a needle. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, dude. Man. So guess what? 100 bucks. God's got a sense Ta-da. of humor. <laughs> Boom. That was months nice. later, but I willed it to happen. <laughs> I'd, I'd never will that on somebody. <laughs> Oh, good times. So, guys, can you give us a quick – wait, before we go there, like, do uh, you guys got anything? Anything you want to add? I'm speaking collectively. Annette, I just Annette, Joel, Ben, Brian. My, my, my only thing would be that if along the way you guys stumble into some stroke of brilliance about, you know, a, a way that somebody could support, you know, and, and really multiply your guys' efforts along the way. Yeah. Um, Let us you know. know. I, I, Absolutely. I, yeah, we'd love to. Uh, we'd love to check back in with you guys, like down the road a bit, if you'll have us. Absolutely, oh, man. Absolutely. the The idea with this podcast is to not do one offs like checklists, all the jumpers we know, but it's to like mm-hmm. uh, create a community and uh, continue. You know, last time this is what they were up to. You know, next time. Nice. I, I think we can all speak to. You know, we're we're all on. You know, Joel, I don't know about you, uh, whether you got, you know, personal connections to the military, but I know that, um, it sounds like Annette does. And I know the three of us do. And, and, uh, what you were saying about military folks being able to be involved in jumping and experience something that is very akin to the experience that they had in, in the military, which they were abruptly pulled from when they were injured. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I know with guys that are, that are hurt now, they do a thing called, uh, I don't want to misquote it. It's called, um, where they send guys back to the, the area of operations they were hurt in and let them yeah. hang out there with their injury and then leave on their own terms. You guys know what that's yeah. called? I'm blanking on it right now. Mm. It. It's kind of like to mentally it's like some closure. Yeah. Give them some yeah. closure. And, um, and they've actually started doing it with family members of guys who have been killed where they let them go and, and hang out like in Afghanistan, a buddy of mine's mom just did it. And, and from how much she talked about it, getting back and what a profound experience that that was for her to be in that country, standing on that soil, smelling the air, seeing the sights that her son saw before, you know, he passed away, um, and just belong to that community in that way for guys who are still alive that, they lose a piece of their body, but they're still the same person, you know, Yeah. Um, to be able to reconnect. And I mean, you see how many people in the jumping community are military. I swear to God, yeah. 50% of base jumpers are military. No, it's actually in, yeah. in, in it's, the USPA, it's like 80%. It's insane. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a culture thing. It's definitely a mindset thing. And it's definitely the mm-hmm. way people are wired. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that is true for a lot of guys who just weren't in jobs that required them to jump. And so now you guys are helping to introduce them to that. And I think you are absolutely going to have traction with that and find people who are, you know, I mean, you know, I was just reading the other day that, that, that guys with, um, you know, amputations, especially certain kinds of, you know, injuries that, you know, the suicide rate is very high for guys like that because, they yeah. don't get that connection. They don't feel valued in their communities. They don't feel um, that they can contribute anymore. 
And yeah. you know, jumpers is such an eclectic group of people. You've got, you know, you've got military, you've got doctors, you have jumped with NASA mission planners and, you know, and mm-hmm. you get all these people together and all of a sudden it's like you said, the air is a great equalizer. They can be just as good. They're on the same playing field and they're in a community where you have to look out for one another. You should look out for one another. That's something that they got in the military and it's something that's been fostered. And when they lose that identity of, I am my brother's keeper, I am a protector, that, mm-hmm. that's something very deep that's drawn and you know pulled away from them abruptly. Um, yeah. And you guys are helping that to get to give that back to people. Um, so I just I just think you guys are going to have like catastrophic success with you know this thing <laughs> as it goes on, as a buddy of mine used to like to say. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're super stoked for you guys. Like, uh, (laughs) it it really hit home, you know, when, uh, when I read what you guys were up to, I was, but I was also kind of bummed that it took, uh, you had a parachutist article for me to realize what you were up to. I was like, ah, but yeah, when you read it, it's like, this makes so much sense. Yeah. How has nobody done this? I was like, I, I, I I, I feel like I know Annette better than that. I shouldn't find that out in an article, (laughs) you know, like I, but yeah, no worries, man. I mean, we, we all hold, what is it? Like we, we all hold multitudes. Is that it? You know, like the, the part of somebody that you see on a jump, um, is only one of so many different facets and I'm looking forward to getting to know you guys better over these intervening seasons. Hey, 100%. One hundred percent. Do you have any plans to uh, make your way back over, over here to Euroland in uh, the next year or so? Um, well, we're coming back to Slovakia for the winter season, um, and then I'm actually going to be living in the UK next year, um, come spring onwards. So I'll definitely be taking more than a few sleazy jet flights with my ship. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. I've um. I'm really into tunnel right now and I'm really into speed flying. So you, you need uh, to come see us in Munich then. Mm. Uh, yeah. You we, know, we've been, we've been spending a lot of time at the fly station, Munich. Relatively, nice. relatively a lot of time. It's been a lot, as, as a lot of money compared, compared to some <laughs> of you guys. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely fly together. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. Well, so just a recap for the listeners. Um, where can they find out about what you're up to? Uh, we have our own website at downfor50.org, down, F-O-R, 50.org. Um, and you're, there's a lot of places to educate yourself on Operation Enduring Warrior. Um, the Operation Enduring Warrior website is at enduringwarrior.org. And it talks a little bit about the, the skydiving part of the program. Um, but I think the best place to take a look at what OEW is doing is on YouTube, um, watching Todd Love's training sequence as Nick and Brianne are taking him from the tunnel to the sky. Um, and they've got a few of their other OEW athletes featured. Um, that's at the Axis Flight School YouTube page, and they have a whole video channel for Operation Enduring Warrior stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, Annette, Joel, thank you so much for you know taking the time to chat with us on your road trip. Yay. Yay. Um, yeah, so good, thank yeah. you, guys. So good hearing thank from you guys. guys. And yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. You know, it, it hits home on so many levels that I couldn't not 
try and help uh, promote this, you know? Thank you so much. Yeah. We really, really appreciate you. And we're looking forward to checking in as we're like in that final round. Right? Yeah. And just, uh, you know, shoot me a message. Let me know when you want to do it again. And we will, we'll whip out the microphones and, and, uh, do another, do another, um, you can tell recording. us all about the, uh, the, the yeah, man, be, the man in the back corner to, uh, that hooks you up. Right. Perfect. He's out Got there. It. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to find him. We're going to find that guy. Oh, love you guys. Awesome. All right. Well, you guys uh, jump safely, drive safely, and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you. <laughs> we'll thank you guys very much. Thank, oh, thank you, you guys. guys. All right. Talk okay. to you later. Bye. <laughs> Ciao. That was fun. Man, that was the... Uh, yeah. I was, getting, I was getting a little... Yeah. Yeah. Right, I, right so, in the throat there for a second. You know? So Annette and I kept going back and forth on like scheduling it because we're, we're on opposite sides of the world. And mm-hmm. so that, that does make uh, recording a challenge. And uh, I, I firmly believe, I don't believe in a lot of things, but I believe you were supposed to be here because um, we've rescheduled this at least twice. And I've almost never rescheduled more than once with a guest. You know, usually we make it work. So, so I was, I was really glad you made it onto this one, Ben. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, it's, um, down for 50.org down for 50.org operation enduring warrior.com.org.org. .org. It's org. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ben bull moose, motherfucking piece of shit. You motherfucker. I got really bad news. This is my spitter that I already uh, finished. Shit. <laughs> Does that mean I have to? Uh, I oh, we were having a moment too, uh, we, dude. That's all spit. We that's were. Not beer. Do I, I don't have to drink that? Do no, no, no. Okay. Well, I mean, technically, yeah, but Ooh, I'm no, not doing that. No, like, but I will scold this right now. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, we were in the middle of having a moment. You know, Ben's talking about how special this podcast was, and um, I try and bull moose this nerd. And I fail, which I generally do. I'd say I have a a fail rate of two to one. Yeah. Every one time I get you, it's at least two or three that I fail. Normally you have a pitcher in your hand, though, so it's way worse. That was the worst one. Um, (laughs) Dang it. I was so close. Yeah, dude. Spitter hand. And I still managed to ruin the moment uh, by... Improperly bull moosing you, no, and still not mil- finishing his beer. By the no. way, that's military as He's fuck, right I, there. I mean, I interrupt I, whatever is going on just to, like, just to call you a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I quit that game. Ah, uh, Brian's a quitter. Um, yeah, but I mean, to beer, see you know, finished by the way, to have recently been at Walter Reed and yeah. you see those men and women walking in and out of there on their prosthetics. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, when somebody signs up for service, they don't, um, you can't explain to somebody the possible outcomes. You can tell an 18 year old, you can tell a 25 year old, you can tell a 30 year old, you know, you're signing up for this, this is what might happen. And there's always that difference between, knowing and knowledge, you know, of, you know, oh yeah, I, I understand what I'm signing up for. I could be killed. I could be maimed, but it's a different story when you are maimed, yeah. you know, and you do 100%. lose that. And, and so people are, are living with that realization daily where you wake up and, you know, can only imagine at least for, you know, the, the first probably year, 
your life is altered. Yeah, you wake up and you're like, uh, my I'm arm? myself, and then you go to roll out of bed and you're like, oh, that's right, I, I don't have a leg anymore, and I'm, I can't do my job anymore, and um, I forget the guy's name right now. Um, there's only five surviving quad amputees. Travis Mannion, I think, the Travis Mannion Foundation, and uh, I picked up his book and I remember reading a portion of it where he describes waking up in the hospital, he's missing all four limbs, um, and he just thinks to himself, you know, I don't want to do life anymore. This is, this is not, this is unbearable. And this is a dude who was like a competitive, I think D one college level athlete. I could be misquoting that, but you know, um, but, uh, you know, a guy who had relied on his physicality for his entire life, his livelihood, his identity, everything. And he wakes up, he's got no arms and legs and his wife is there with their kid. And he said, he remembers his kid sitting on his lap as a, you know, two year old, really young and looking at him and realizing that his kid didn't see him any differently than before the accident. And he had this thought that, well, if she doesn't see me any differently, then I'm not going to be any different. I'm going to be dad. I'm going to be all the things that I can be. And, um, and you know, he describes like talking to his wife and saying, just, just leave me. Like, how could anyone have signed up for this? You know, in the context of the marriage and you're thinking that that applies to you too. Like you don't, you can't fathom that. Even if you, if you're like, yeah, yeah I could use my, I could lose my arms and legs thinking about it and living it's two different things, but sure. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, is I really recommend that guy's book. You know, he says his wife just looks at him and goes, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> that, yeah. that's, it's, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the spirit of what they're doing is getting guys who, you know, and men and women who are, you know, just, in that spot of like, what do I do? Who am I? You know, do I matter? Do I have a community? Will I ever have a community taking them, pulling them into the fold and saying, you know, don't get down. That's not how this works. Yeah. You know, and she, and, uh, and that brought up a great point, um, that I had, I legitimately never considered because my transition from Marine Corps to civilian was really gentle. Mm -hmm. I mean, find a job, whatever. But like, I, I I was a part of a community before I left the Marine Corps, you know, and I have friends to this day that you know, I saw a guy last week, you know, shout out to Rat. Thanks for the Woodford Reserve that we've been drinking this episode. Thanks for the Woodford Reserve, Rat. Um, but, uh, you know, I hadn't seen him in 10 years and it was like, bam, you know, we, uh, like, like I saw him yesterday. Yep. Um, but a lot of guys don't get that, you know, because they don't, um, necessarily belong to another community like I mm-hmm. already did when I was as I was leaving the Marine Corps I you know I was already a skydiver so like that you know that having that brotherhood that that you know connection was already there yeah and uh, I, yeah it was it was really cool hearing hearing Annette and Joel talk about you know what they're doing and um, I was pretty excited for them when I read that article so yeah no I mean at the risk of uh at the risk of, I don't know, I, I call it God's work, you know, like that's, that's just good old wholesome. I mean, I don't know where both of them are from. I don't know if Annette was kept throwing out, Hey, 
Air, Air Force brat. As she she moves a lot as a Where kid. Where does she get hay brat. from? Where is that in the states? Mm. Hey, I was like, that's not. Might not even be the states. She's lived abroad quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, and that's crazy to me too. You know, you get Joel traveling around. He's yeah. a Brit. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and he's doing this for mainly our guys. You know, that's that. You got a guy. Uh, so in the article, there are some. Uh, uh, it's not exclusive to U.S. military. Good. It there, be. there are in, in the article there are jumpers from other countries. I, I forget where they're from. Yeah, but you know, they, they're all part of the, a lot of the same conflicts and whatnot. Yeah. You know, but, no, that's awesome. That's so inspiring. Yeah. But, but yeah. So if you have access to the parachutist, definitely check out the May issue where Annette writes a great article about Operation Enduring Freedom. Or enduring warrior, rather. <laughs> Was that a Freudian slip? <laughs> I think you're just. We're, we're used to one. Yeah. For the last 17 yeah. years. Yeah. Um. And check out Operation Enduring Warrior online and the Down for Fifty website. <clears throat> with uh, if you want to help Annette and Joel out, you know the the check out those links and um. Yeah, guys. You guys you know, got anything else? You know, it would no. be really awesome. So I watched a BBC documentary the other day on the like twenty-one thousand children who are amputees in Afghanistan because the Taliban are assholes and they don't tell everyone where their stuff is. And uh, a lot of those, a lot of those kids are turning eighteen now. It'd be really cool as if somehow you could find. An Afghan kid. Teach him to skydive. Teach him to skydive. Bring him over or her over. Teach him to skydive. That would like. <laughs> that would be mind blowing. I, I tell you what, I, I've seen some big mountains over there. Uh, oh, I, bet yeah. there I bet there's some good jumps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it, dude. <laughs> Under yeah. different circumstances, I'd be willing to go scope them out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was. That was my favorite one so far, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you could be here. Yeah, definitely. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this was a Base Life podcast. Thank you. We are out. All right. Hey, guys, if you like that podcast, then uh, please like and share it. Uh, don't do it for Base Life. Do it for Operation Enduring Warrior and uh, Down for 50. And be sure to check out the show notes because I put a lot of links to uh, references and organizations mentioned in this podcast. And also, um, if you're feeling it, then maybe give a little bit to OEW and uh, Down for 50. And uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and share. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. <laughs>